Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart, joining me on this fine evening for this this movie that you, that you did to us. David Luzader, how are you? Uh, I wish I could be clever, but I just, I don't feel any feelings anymore. Yeah, it's soul-sucking. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, they've done some bad movies to us, but this was just soul drain nicole is your soul drain do you also need a drink to get through this movie well i mean i usually have a glass of wine every time we record but um yeah i kind of wish i'd started drinking earlier like when i was watching the movie (laughs) um but i was afraid i would fall asleep if i did that so (laughs) i didn't and i i paid i had to pay money i think we watched this movie i think we all paid money and this is one of the few times i can say uh pirating was not pirated. <laughs> I should have pirated this movie. I just what I had. I had yeah, my goodwill once again. A director has squandered my goodwill from their early movies, and you know I loved. I thought the crow was great. I loved Dark City, and then it started going down with iRobot. Was just okay. You made and knowing. Knowing, then <laughs> there was there, there's something else in there. I did not realize this was the Crow director. Yeah, yeah. what? What I happened? No. <laughs> what happened? What happened, Alex Pro? Yes. What happened? Oh no! Well, you know, yeah. I mean, it probably is morally responsible to pirate this movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I felt comfortable giving them 450, but you picked it for us, audience, to give you some uh, context to that. If you're a first time listener to the show, welcome. You picked the movie, you voted on it. A voting poll goes out on our Facebook and our Twitter every five weeks, and you have the opportunity to vote on a film. You can add entries. We always started off by adding whatever was highly ranked on the previous go around, but did not win. So this time, Gods of Egypt was in there, actually, from a previous round. I don't know who added that. We never have, but one of you out there added it, and all of you bandwagoned. So, we watched... We, it came close, though. There were some... Uh, Aragon was a close contender to this, which, frankly, I, I don't know if that would have been worse or not. <laughs> it would have been worse. It might have been worse. And then there was also Flashdance and a couple others that hopped in last minute. But still, we got quite a few votes, and we ended up with Gods of Egypt, which is what we watched, uh, 2016's Gods of Egypt. Before we dig into this pile, uh, let's go ahead and announce next week's movie, which is hopefully much better. It's a new-to-two segment next week, which means, Nicole, it is your opportunity to pick a movie that myself nor David have never seen before. What are we going to be watching? Um, I decided to bring in something very different to most of the movies that we've done before. Um, it was a little gem. It got a lot of critical acclaim, but not a lot of box office last year. And it's called Eighth Grade. Oh. When you said different, I surely thought it was going to be an erotic thriller. But this is <laughs> <laughs> Basic Instinct Two. <laughs> this is uh, this is Bo Burnham's thing, isn't it? Yes, uh, it is. All right, I'm fascinated. I'm I'm even more fascinated because I've seen a couple parallels in the last couple days to to eighth grade trying to capture the millennial or Gen not even millennial Gen Z not millennial Gen Z yeah um capturing them in a similar way to Olivia Wilde's new movie, which is supposedly very good. So I'm blanking on the name on it. So you're going to hear some folly work right now. Yes. Book smart. Okay. So I'm excited. All right. Eighth grade. We're going to be watching that next week. But this week we watched 2016's Gods of Egypt. The God King Osiris is all set to crown his son Horus as a successor. When brother Set arrives, kills Osiris, pulls out Horus's eyes and takes over Egypt. Set enslaves most of the human population and deprives them of the afterlife. 
Horace will need the help of a plucky human thief named Beck to bring him his eyes and show him the way into Set's lair. Can Horace defeat Set and save Egypt? Who cares? And will anyone care? Yes, that's the question. (laughs) And I don't know how to pronounce Jamie Lannister's real name. <laughs> Who Nicolaj plays Horus? Coster Waldo, I believe. Yep. Or Nikolai. Maybe yeah. you don't pronounce the J at all. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Nikolai. Okay. Forever doomed to just be referred to as Jamie Lannister. Oh, yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Well, uh, the Game of Thrones people can go do whatever they want. It's like, no, they can't. <laughs> nope. Nit Harrington, I'm sorry, but you're Jon Snow for all time. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah. So he's he's supposedly the the goodish god? Question mark. He's the one named Horus that gets his eyes removed, yeah, or specialized. But yeah, sh- sure, I, I am already I'm already at a loss for words. And Gerard what? Butler, in full Scottish accent, plays his evil brother Seth. No, he plays his uncle. Oh, uncle. uncle, I'm sorry, Uncle. No, but it is so confusing because they look the same <laughs> age. But he's, yes. He's yeah. Yes. Why Gerard is- Butler's playing the uncle. Brian Brown plays Osiris, and Brian Brown's like seventy and Australian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> not playing not very successfully covering the Australian accent, by the way. Any accents here? Yeah, the, and you know Gerard Butler's not even trying. He's going no. full brogue all over the damn place. Well, the most egregious accent in this truly, though, is whatever. And here's the thing. Chadwick Boseman is American. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so whatever act, I mean, obviously, he, he, he adopted, at least in my opinion, a, a fairly good African accent of, of like, I don't know if it was like, I don't know where Wakanda is supposed to be in terms of like Black Panther, if it's supposed Somewhere to be kind of like a East South African. Africa, I believe. Okay. So he, ad- he, he adapted a reasonably good accent for that. And then there's this where he plays a character called Thoth. And that, that accent is Toth. bad. Or yes. Toth? That's <laughs> a little I dare. I was just reading that of IMDb. <laughs> Thoth. I wish it was Thoth. That'd be way better. Yeah. He's doing like this, Fussy British fashion designer like, what voice. Is trying to do, but it's not working. Let's <laughs> get. Oh, well, so what do we the- have? What is this lettuce's purpose? What is? Oh my god, the lettuce scene! All right, I'm going to reel us back in here so we can talk about because we can just sit here and rhapsodize about how much we hated this for well over an hour if we must easily. <laughs> <laughs> but we have discussion topics to help guide the way along this wretched march to death with Anubis. Uh, there is so much CGI in this movie, just an aggressive yeah. amount of CGI. And yeah. I don't think it's particularly good. No. Some of it is okay. <laughs> yeah. But there's just so much of it, which like the budget, I mean, the budget for this movie is like $150 million, an insane yeah. budget. Like they thought this was going to be the next thing. Uh, spoiler alert: It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, they actually wanted to make this a franchise. Yeah. Oh, jeez. But so much of it went because they're on. They're just on green screen the whole time. You know, they it, this whole movie is just digitally created, and it's not great. Well, maybe that's why Gerard Butler is seems so comfortable because he's done this before. He's done oh, all yes. green screen with 300. Yeah. So that was all green screen all the time. There was no, there were no right. outdoor sets ever. So. Yeah. He that's- definitely is like living in this movie more than any other actor. He, this is his he, comfort zone. The, the most entertaining actor of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is not to say good, but entertaining, definitely. I mean, he's not just chewing on the scenery, he's digesting it. <laughs> so, a question, though, for the for the panel. We have a, a ton of CGI in this movie. It's just throwing up all over you with CGI. It reminded me a little bit of watching, you know, a movie that was probably 10 years or ish, maybe five or six years. It's It's, you know... 
Jr., uh, John Carter. This kind of reminded me of John Carter. John Carter was also supposed to be a massive success, and they dumped a ton of money into that, too. John Carpenter? John Carter of Mars. Oh, what am I thinking? Well, it should have been called John Carter of Mars because people would have been less confused about what they were getting. It's an actual book series. <laughs> Wait, but it is called John Carter. Yes, I'm just, for some reason, I have John Carpenter in the brain. Oh, I'm, I was so confused for a second. All right. Um, yeah, so, oh, yeah, you're right. The movie was called John Carter. It's based on the series John Carter from Mars. I digress. It was similar to this in that vein. Yeah. And this was around the time, you know, several years before this, you had Clash of the Titans and then, like, Attack of the Titans. And you had... The Wrath of the Titans. A Wrath of the... Sure. Uh <laughs> 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 Why not? Brett just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also had a budget of like $300 million. Oh. And what blows my mind is that you have all these movies. They're not, most of them are not particularly well accepted. And now it almost seems like we had to have it in order to get, I, I don't want to say we're necessarily a renaissance of practical effects because we're certainly not, but we are, moving in that direction with a lot of our properties in terms of people rejecting just endless CGI and computer generated effects, everything from, you know, Mad Max Fury Road acclaim to the new Star Wars movies, whatever you think of them, a lot of practical effects in there, especially with like the aliens to, you know, the fact that we're getting a dark crystal reboot uh, on Netflix, which the trailer came out today. It's a prequel or a prequel rather. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think we're getting better at practical effects. I mean, Marvel movies are so many, uh, so much CGI. It's just typically well done CGI. They're just paying to have the best studios working on it, which is why you have movies like this, which are, I don't want to say they're getting bad studios to work on it, but you're not getting the people that you're getting to work on Marvel movies. Uh, It's just, I think though that even the good stuff is going to age versus practical effects. I'm telling you, go watch the original Iron Man and you will have some scenes where you were like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. especially the end battle. Yeah. Yeah. Which but this this movie, speaking of Iron Man, uh, <laughs> them go into their weird metal robotic suits and start punching each other. Like the, the, the action is so boring, which is such a Ugh. How do you have a boring, like when they turn the CGI monsters and start punching each other? It gets somehow worse. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but you're right. You you said in our chat earlier that you know one of the worst defense of this movie is that it makes its action so boring, right? Because even the- if the CGI was kind of bad, even if they had no plot, both of which are very true, I would be willing to forgive that. If, if it's entertaining. If it was fun to watch them punch each other for two hours, and it's not. No, it's not good fight staging. It's it's the you know, the minute that the uh the gods which are armor up in their, <sighs> you know, animalistic armor. They're supposedly they transform, but it's it's basically, you know, they get their armor on and it's all shiny and gold and or bronze or whatever. Right. And looks like, you know, looks like hieroglyphic depictions of like dogs and falcons, falcons and, and yeah. whatnot. And it, suddenly everything goes all jumpy and overly bouncy and it's just uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> There were so few action sequences where people are actually fighting each other in physical space. Yeah. You have people fighting these like CGI monsters in like just the the one that really stood out to me was when uh Horus is fighting a bunch of Minotaurs. <laughs> okay. Gods, I guess. Is that what they were? Okay. Yeah, because they had gold blood too. Right. Uh, and it's just like you can obviously tell he's fighting things that aren't there because he's like moving kind of like very like deliberately kind of slow to like make sure they hit the right spot that like the CGI characters are going to be. And it's just, it's something to see. Yeah. Everything is incredibly stilted 
in the fighting. Yeah, the one and- effect that really worked for me consistently. I mean, number one, the city looked good. But number yeah. two, the effect that looked good consistently was the the size disparity yes. between the humans and the gods. You know, the humans are human size and the gods are supposed to be, I don't know, like 10 or 12 feet tall, something like that. And so they're out of scale to one another. And it's it's mostly, I believe it's mostly done with, it's partly CGI and partly trick photography. It's more advanced than what they did in Lord of the Rings to mm-hmm. for the Hobbits. Um, and it freaked me the F out. I, was, <laughs> like, I don't like looking at this. It makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would say also like the. I thought the snake part looked pretty good. The snake part looked pretty good. The riders on the snakes did not look good. No, they did not. No, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the director referred to the the size disparity thing as as reverse hobbiting. Um, okay, it, sure. Also, I just want to point out why does he have so much sting in his filmography? Like sting music videos and stuff. Oh, all right. Um, I'm just struggling to stay focused on this movie. Let's dig in more. <laughs> uh, so I think there's some cool ideas here. And I really do. I think that I would love, and, and this is why I'll sit through this movie and try to give it a chance. And I'll try to give Attack or Wrath or Clash of the Titans an opportunity because I want the whole petty Egyptian gods fight each other because they're vain. Like, that's cool to me. And I, I've i never seen a good movie of that. I mean, is there one I'm missing? Mm, uh, I want to say yes, but I mean, Immortals was just so-so. Um, right. Like That was the... Um, uh, what's his name? Tarsem. Um, Tarsem Sai, yeah. Had Henry Cavill in it as some greek or roman or whatever one of those sure and and i guess the the closest we come is if you want to you know separate i guess i guess we have we have plenty of like roman and and greek type stuff whether it's troy or 300 or gladiator or whatever or wrath of the titans the titans but we don't have a lot with greek mythology i mean not with greek mythology with with egyptian mythology and i think that that's a shame because it's ripe for a really good fantasy adaptation of these really rad and exciting characters. And I just want that so bad. And this is so not it. And I don't, I don't know Egyptian mythology that well, is Egyptian mythology actiony? (laughs) Not really. I mean, this is supposedly based on a, on an actual story, a mythological story about the, the struggle for power between Set and Horus, but I mean, very loosely, very loosely based on that story. Um, you know, and it's oh god, I don't know which direction to go with this one. There's like two directions I want to go. The one <laughs> is the the casting, and the other is the the one cool thing about the Egyptian mythology that I was really actually surprised, happily surprised by that I thought was really neat. So maybe I should go with that to go with a positive for this. Yes. And before you start, I will say that I have found one kind of positive Egyptian mythology movie. That's not even really mythological as more. It's more biblical. Is the Prince of Egypt was pretty good when I was a kid. Rotten Tomato says it's not bad, so it's not just nostalgia. So well, yeah, that's not, that's not an Egyptian mythology, right? No, that's, no, but it is like we're in takes, Egypt. It's set in Egypt, <laughs> and it does have like mythological elements of you know the the plagues and that sort of thing. But that's more biblical. I digress. That's Nicole, what awesome. is good about this movie? Um the the one part of the mythology and the effects to pull it off that I was really impressed by is they're when they're up on Ra's vessel going through the heavens um, and he's, you know, pulling the sun over the horizon and pulling the, the vessel over is that, that as he pulls it over the horizon, the, the perspective shift and you can see that the earth is, the earth is a disc 
Yes. It's flat. flat. The earth is flat. And he's actually pulling it like over the edge and around to the other side. Oh, we were watching a Discworld movie. I didn't even know yeah. That. I mean, I was like, that's, I was not expecting that. That was, that looked cool. I thought it was, I didn't realize that the Egyptians had believed in a flat earth. Maybe that's incorrect. Maybe the Egyptians no, knew that the earth was round and, you know, would think this was crap, but <laughs> um, I thought it looked, I thought that looked really neat. And I was just like, oh, hey, okay. So, you know, we're definitely well into mythology and not, this is, it's it's not the fine line that you could say biblical stuff treads between mythology and history. Some people will believe it's history and some people will believe it's mythology. This is, this is firmly an Egyptian mythology, you know, right. so it's, it's kind of puts the story in. Oh, okay. So this, you know, is purely a fantasy world. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, yeah, in order to be biblical, I guess you have to be somewhat believable, hopefully, <laughs> but at least, for, you know, for some people, but I, I think with this movie, the stupidest part of it also comes from the scene that you're referring to. And the Egyptians did believe the earth was flat. And that's kind of cool. Like they had promise of little things that they pushed into it. But is it Jeffrey Rush's scaly scalp? Okay. Th that's concerning to me. But also, <laughs> what is this side plot of just like Jeffrey Rush is hanging out on a spaceship fighting a space worm every night? Like that's okay. part of the myth. Yeah. No, Rod, I know that, but a spaceship. It's I not mean, a spaceship as such. It's it, more like a, it's like a river barge, but it just happens sure. to be up in the heavens. And I thought that was one of the more really interesting ideas really? of the movie. was like, yeah, like, I mean, I didn't really appreciate that Ra ended up being the literal God in the machine that just said everything <laughs> there at the end. Like, you're like, nobody has this power except for Ra, who is apparently like the super God amongst the gods. But just like this, I, I I'm into that whole idea of like, my entire life is devoted to, you know, keeping away this threat sort of thing. I guess what really throws me on it is it has some of the worst visuals of CGI. Whenever Jeffrey Rush turns into the Human Torch, it looks so, so very bad. Bugs out his eyes and holds up his flaming sword or flaming spear or whatever the thing is. Sure. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think I put I that mean, in the subtitle this episode. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it is it's it is an interesting idea. I agree, especially, you know, near the end where Set has been struggling for power on Earth and taking over Egypt and Ra offers him basically dominion over everything. He's like, "I want you to take my place. You'll be the head god. The catch is that you have to stay up here on this barge and fight the smoke worm every night." <laughs> And to keep it from eating all your people. <laughs> so, and it turns out that Set is too vain and he wants to stay on Earth and be immortal. They tried to do so much in this one movie. Where yeah. And so many ideas where if you're trying to build this into a franchise, you could have built some of these ideas out and done yeah. interesting things with them. Right. Pare it down to one or two ideas and just elaborate on those ideas instead of trying to string like six or seven of them together. Right. Like, yeah. Like, uh, Apophis, I, I totally butchered that, but like the, the space the, worm. Yeah. Space worm. <laughs> like, introduce that as like, like showing Ra up there fighting that thing up every night, introducing that as like a conflict. Interesting. I'm kind of into that sort of resolving it in this movie no like you could have you could have had that be a bigger conflict later down the road if you actually took time to flesh out your characters and your story in this one yeah like they try to make one the epic and it's like well you can't go any bigger than this you went as big as you can go right characters people have character <laughs> there are characters in this movie yeah there and there's their sketches <laughs> And then there's some also there's some weird disregard for what these characters should be. Like Raz is the god of the sun, and yeah. 
he's hanging out in dark space, and I guess, I mean, he can shoot sun rays when he turns into fire god, I guess. Carrying the sun. Yeah, he's dragging it behind him. Oh, I guess he is. But but also, like, Ra is supposed to be kind of of the image of, like, a falcon, not, I don't know, I just... Well, they turn into, like, when they transform into their animal <laughs> side. They go all animorphs. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know, it just, it seems to me like what would have been a better movie here is there's a moment when Ra, now Ra, for, for to, le- to lay out what little plot and lineage there is to this story and family, uh, Ra is, is Horus's grandfather, and uh, Osiris, the dead king at the beginning, and Set, his evil brother, are uh, the sons of Ra. So Horus comes to his father after being essentially set free from his self-contained cap- captivity slash wallowing because someone gives him an eye and we'll get into that guy in a second, but he goes to his father because he's not powerful enough. He doesn't have both of his eyes. He needs more power. He needs to pray to his oh, father. His grandfather. His grandfather. My apologies. He goes to his grandfather and his grandfather says to him, Jeffrey Rush, that I'm not just going to give you power. The whole purpose of this is that you need to go on this journey and find your power. And that's the whole point of being a god. And that's the point of, you know, this epic journey that you're going to have. And that could be like the end of a first movie if everything was developed. And then you have like Horace go on this journey. I don't feel like he goes on a journey in any capacity. Well, he's because Ra's like the real power is the friends you made along the way. Or- <laughs> I don't know. And he does make it's, a friend. He makes a friend. We haven't talked about Beck yet. B-E-K. Uh, Beck. Hate, I hate that Beck is his chief advisor at what? the end of the movie. What qualifications does this dweeb have? <laughs> <laughs> He's plucky. He's plucky and brave. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, played by Brenton Thwaites, who was uh, in... Such, you know, astounding movies as The Giver and 17th Pirates of the Caribbean. And sure. Sure. And he's so. Is he the worst actor? I think he might be. Who? Beck. He's not horrible. He's not good. I mean, he's there. He's good looking. He's very you know energetic he's just not very charming right well in the movie this movie hinges so much on his chemistry with horace and they just have zero yeah they don't make good buddies no 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 they don't at all Everybody has really bad chemistry in this movie. <laughs> they were like acting independent, like separately, and somebody like put them all together later. Well, I mean, he Beck has a little bit of of chemistry with his with his his girlfriend who dies, and she dies very predictably, and with a <laughs> with an arrow that was so clearly CGI'd in that he just he pulls, pulls it from it her body like it. butter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't do that. <laughs> here's a here's a helpful tip for everyone. You know, if you're stabbed with either an arrow <laughs> or a knife and there are several inches of something in you, leave it in there. It's holding your blood in. Wait till you get to the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> yeah. And depending on where it's at, sometimes they'll push it out the other I mean if it's in your heart, probably not. You're dead. <laughs> At the other end, <laughs> actually, it would have been really loud if he started like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Hold still, honey. This will only hurt for a minute. Get it out the other side. <laughs> but he has some chemistry with her, and she dies right away, and and is yeah. on this journey with Anubis through the underworld, where she eventually will have to give an offering of some sort in order to go to Egypt, heaven, hell. <laughs> And uh, right, because Set made a new rule that you have to pay your way to the afterlife with with yeah. gold and riches. It's so great that like the afterlife is run by the gods. 
Like that they, they, they will like next. They don't the gods don't have any power over the afterlife, but the afterlife will do whatever they say. Yeah. It's like how what? Yeah. Just, it's not relating the rules. It's not like the laws of physics where you just you can tell people about the laws of physics and they can, you know, deal with them however they want to approach it. But this is they're changing the rules. But it's of like a, a physical structure. So yeah, magic, you know, uh-huh. yep. it's okay. magic. Great. So. Yeah. So now, now speaking, <laughs> la, 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 magic. speaking of the underworld, there is a character, Anubis, who is, you know, essentially the god of death. Yay! Um, and Anubis is, well, first of all, portrayed correctly as the jackal. But second, yes. he's the only interesting character to me. I want to know more about Anubis's world. The underworld is so kind of cool to me in the first you know, in the tiny tidbits we get of it, and we don't get a lot of it. Yeah. And I, I just want a whole Anubis movie. Even Nicole put that in our docket. I want an Anubis movie. Yeah, I mean, I like the CGI is not great around Anubis. I mean, it is a man in a suit. It's actor Goran Clute who has done lots of suit work because he's very tall. Um, so he's played. He was he was a xenomorph in Alien Covenant. He was in Revenge of the Sith. Um, he's been in several things, just being very tall in a suit. Um, <laughs> and but the you know the CGI around that the animation of his of him speaking is not good. It's not good. Um, but it's still. Interesting. You know, his body language is really good. He's he's conveying a character without even doing a whole lot, which you know, it's like he he does his job sometimes reluctantly, sometimes with, you know, fondness for the people coming through, it seems like, sometimes dispassionately. You you actually get kind of a character from this, even though he's not given a lot to work with. And I was just like this would be really cool to explore. Well, and they don't. And I will, I will say, if you want more on Anubis, uh, go read American Gods. Uh, <laughs> I don't know fully what his portrayal is like in the TV show because I haven't seen the second season, but there is a really great long segment where the main character spends time uh, with, with Mr. Jackal, who is Anubis, uh, and Mr. Ibis, and it is uh, who is I forget uh, who which which of which oh, the Ibis I don't remember uh, anyway. But I mean that's written by Neil Gaiman, who is an excellent writer. <laughs> uh, it's so good. It's, anyway, I just wanted to say if you want if you want the good Anubis stuff, there you yeah. can go get it. I think Nicole uh, is totally right that. Anubis is the only character that gives us something to work with. And I think you're so dead on with the body language in particular because he has this this like walk that is very interesting as he's leading people into the afterlife. And you're totally right. You can't tell whether or not he's totally excited to be doing this all the time, but he has some sort of respect and duty and honor for what he's doing. And he also... It could be easy to portray him as a bad guy in a way because Anubis is the guy who comes and takes you when you die. And he might be leading you to somewhere where you end up getting sent to hell because you didn't have the gold to proceed to the proper afterlife or something like that. But he does so with such care that like it's the only character of any depth and he has like four lines. Yeah, it's funny. I was just um, I was looking on YouTube for a second to see if there was a video maybe of like them doing the makeup or, you know, showing the, the actor talking about doing the role. Um, and there isn't that. And it, but it's like all the Anubis scenes in Hindi or whatever. And it, it totals out to like seven minutes of screen time. (laughs) And he still made the biggest impression of the movie. You know, meanwhile, this, the, the guy who plays Beck is in like 85% of the movie and he's like in your brain and then gone, you know? <laughs> yeah. As, as we were talking in Slack during this movie, David said it would be better if Beck, that I'm assuming you meant the musical artist was, was acting this. And then I just couldn't <laughs> get it out of my head. 
Like this is a deadpan vacant stare that Beck has throughout the yeah, entirety of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think that Beck, the musical artist, would be a good actor. Uh, <laughs> which I think would be super great. Got a devil's movie. haircut. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and he'd, he'd have to like kind of like softly sing every oh, that'd be so much better. <laughs> oh, sign me up. All the Grammys. Who is having the most fun here? Is it Gerard, Gerard Butler? Butler? It's Gerard Butler. It's yeah, Gerard I put Butler. in that in. I, I knew it was going to be Gerard Butler. <laughs> and this is yeah, I put be in that he's. It... Sorry, I put down on here that he's chowing down on his part with Scottish gusto, like it's a plate full of whiskey-soaked haggis. <laughs> yeah, and it's got to just be like this is his playing field, right? Like, like there's not there's a couple, I suppose, critically praised gerard butler films but by and large his playing field is like olympus has fallen paris has fallen the white house has fallen great you know <laughs> no white house down was channing tatum yeah oh, but, you, and, but you get what i'm saying like, also angel angel has fallen oh that's a new one up. right sure. Any, like gamer and uh we've yeah, seen him I in something gosh. i believe i mean i want Gerard Butler to do better movies, but I think he's picking movies that he's just going to really enjoy making. Yeah. 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 I don't blame him. You know, you only get one career as an actor. It's very rare that you get a second chance. You know, like Robert Downey Jr. is a very much an exception, not the rule Mm -hmm. to come back from near ruin um, to actually have a a decent career. But I mean, Gerard Butler, he's, 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 doing what he's what he's good at which is having some physicality and a goodly amount of charm and some energy and when he wants being to be a combination of like winning and screwing up <laughs> yeah, when, I mean, when he wants to be charming, he can be really charming. Yes, he can. Uh, rock and Rollo. I mean, we even his little bit in Reign of Fire. Uh, he had was having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. And I mean, I always look at him and I think it's so funny. I think back to seeing Phantom the first time, Phantom of the Opera, and I love that he's the Phantom. Uh, good like, old sexy Phantom. He doesn't. I even just look feel like kind of anymore. I feel kind of bad for the Phantom. No, that was Billy Zane. No, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, I just feel bad for him for this movie because apparently as soon as he got the part, he said as soon as he read the script and he saw the word God, he started a workout routine. Um, Because he'd been been getting a little paunchy in recent years. So... Apparently he started working out really hard and like Nikolai Costa-Waldo got down to like 7% body fat. Jeez. <laughs> they all just worked out like crazy for this movie. Number one, I feel bad because he was in like this armor all the yeah. time. I mean, yeah, so we he see- never got to show off his chest and his abs. You just got to see the muscly <laughs> it's a arms. shame for all of us. I mean, good for him for getting his arms looking so nice, but yeah. You know, he's there in like this, his armor over his chest and his nice arms and his incredibly heavy, streaky, fake tan. I finally figured out that that's what it was because I thought I was like, how is he this dirty all the time? (laughs) He looks grubby through this entire movie. And it's not because he's actually dirty. It's because it's fake tanner accumulating in all the you know valleys between his new musculature gross <laughs> and like and all the creases of his face in 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 another defense of these guys and i suppose they're smoking hot bods is <laughs> let's not forget that gerard butler was 48 when they filmed this jamie lannister was uh like 45 46 um, oh, wow. are, it's not like they hired mid twenties guys, like a bunch of Chadwick Bosemans. I'm, I'm assuming he's probably older than that, but you get my drift, right? Like, no, they hired a bunch of mid twenties actresses to fill all the female parts. Uh, yes. yeah. Let's talk about that. that well, hold this on. doesn't I, I, do I, a great job with that. Well, I want to say, just want to say two things real quick. Uh, 
one, uh, Gerard Butler can get it. Uh, two, <laughs> that the the guy who does the voiceover, which is the older Beck, uh, is about three years older than younger Beck. <laughs> Which I find hilarious. Also, shame on me. Chadwick Boseman is 41 years old. Wow, really? Wow. Oh man, it's true. Black don't crack, man. I guess we're <laughs> I guess a, we're just Alodi. marveling at these at these glorious men in their age. But I I, Alodi I think- Young. Alodi Young is 38. Oh, is she? Yeah. Okay. Well, good on her then. Now, I know but- Elodie Young uh plays Electra. In yes. Daredevil, it took me a long time to yep. place her. Right, I didn't realize that was her for a bit. I was like, I know her from somewhere, but I can't right. figure out where. Yeah, no, I mean, are any of the? I don't even know how to start with the female characters in this movie. They're <laughs> do they give On them anything? Of, yeah, like I was about to say, do any of them do anything of consequence? Are they allowed to do anything of consequence? Kind of the one. <laughs> That can apparently go back and forth to the afterlife. Yeah, Elodie Young plays. I don't remember the name of her character. She plays the goddess of love, but who right. used to be the Hathor. something to the guardian of the west oh, or the something. Maiden of the west. I think she used to be her. able. Yeah, she used to be in the afterlife and help guide people back and forth. Right. So she can go uh, back if she takes her magical jewelry off. Which, um, oh boy, Chekhov's bracelet, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so she's she's got a few things to do. Uh, the actress who plays, I guess it's like Set's ex-wife or something. The one with the wings. Yes. Um, who is I, the goddess of wisdom, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, she I thought has like Thoth. Action. I thought Thoth was he, or Thoth. <laughs> It's the, Toth. It's, Toth. <laughs> it's, it, <laughs> I'm just not going to call him that. It, yeah, the go- he's not. the god of Chadwick wisdom. Chadwick Boseman. Yes. Well, yeah, but I mean, she's the goddess of wisdom and some oh. other stuff. Oh, you no, know, no. They, she's they the goddess of health, marriage, and wisdom. Okay. So she's, she's, she no. does all right. No. She doesn't no. have, she has like Brett's two thinking, minutes of stuff to do. I'm thinking Brett's of ISIS. thinking of ISIS. Yes. Yeah, never mind. I, I think no, it's like, actually it's the, the goddess of protection. It's the protection. Yes. Yeah. Everything, all the other female roles in this movie are glancing and insignificant. You know, the uh, Zaya is played by, well, number one, there's an entire like Fury Road reunion going on in this movie. Apparently, a good number of the cast and crew were also on Mad Max Fury yes. Road. Yes. Um, one of the two, like the yin yang snakes women, like the one with the white snake was from Fury Road. She played the dag. Um, and the woman who plays Zaya, Courtney Eaton, uh, was Cheeto the fragile so it's like the return of cheeto whose whole uh, role in this movie was just have your boobs out just well, have, up, your, have your like have, up right, and together right have your boobs on display the whole time as they grow naturally of course yes because you know egypt <laughs> invented push-up bras you know yes right right or at least perfected them yes <laughs> yeah and and now the 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 treatment of women in this this script and in, in this movie is is surprisingly <sighs> Probably the second offense <laughs> that it that it makes. The first being yeah. the the whitewashing controversy around this movie. Yeah. This was this is the uh, the year of gods in, of Egypt and Ridley Scott says offensive things about Exodus and Kings. Now they had already cast this movie and begun work on it when Ridley like Scott was getting flack for Gods of Exodus. Right? They cast this yeah. thing very early, and uh, it's. I don't even know where to start with the whitewashing. It's so everyone doubles down. Like, I can't feel that bad for Gerard Butler for being in this movie and choosing well, to be in this bad movie because he doubled down on it, too. Uh, no, actually, Alex Proyas gave yeah. an actual apology. That was not a, a non-apology apology. It was not, I'm sorry you were offended. It was, you're right. I should have done better. I'm sorry. Right. And, and he also... Uh, isn't he like? Wasn't he raised in Egypt, or I one of his parents was, yeah, is Egyptian, like or something? 
and initially he, you know, had, had come on and, and kind of had been in defense of the casting. Like it's a fantasy movie. Um, which like, I get what you're saying, but you're still doing it wrong. Uh, and he's, it's still set in Egypt, right? At least right. the people like the crowds should be, should be brown. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, he was talking about like, deflecting the blame a bit being like, well, the studio wanted these box office draws. And I, and I get that, that like studios do that. That is probably a cause of a number of whitewashing things, but it's still like you could have. Is Nikolai Koster Waldo a box office draw? Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, at the time, you know, game of Thrones. Is Gerard Butler a box office draw? Uh, as it was, pr- was proven. No, but you I mean, you had this <laughs> argument, you know, for so many years of like, well, people of color can't really carry movies and uh, women, you know, and then you had uh, Wonder Woman come out in 2017, big box office smash. You had uh, Black, Black Panther. Panther come out, big box office smash. It's like, hey, maybe, you know, people just want good movies and they'll see them regardless of the color of their skin or the oh, gender or whatever. No. I know, right? So crazy. Yeah, but this this movie in particular, I think, was really put on display because when, when Gerard Butler was asked it's about this, gods of Egypt, called gods of and Egypt. There are first of no all, Egyptians. In well, this hey, movie. he says, "quote We had Ethiopians, we had Egyptians, yeah. oh, we Gerard had all different Butler. actors from all over the place. That was never really. They were everywhere. So I thought that was a little too much to try and damage a movie like that." Uh, referring to the backlash, and then he also said, um, "No, I think." That was, it was, you know, I understand the move, the movement generally, but you consider our movie, one of our leads was based on an Egyptian god who was not black. What? No. <laughs> no. There are more no, colors than just white and black. Yeah, I mean, this is, Chadwick Boseman claims that this is part of why he took the part. It was to make sure there was more color representation in the movie. Yeah, that reminds but, me. Egypt has a film industry. Yeah. There are Egyptian actors. Not all of them speak English. Maybe none of them speak English fluently and unaccented or whatever. But you can always have the Egyptian actor. And if you have to bring in a voiceover artist. Yeah. But have somebody there. Yeah, that was something to like the director was like, oh, well, you can't, you know, you can't have, they don't really speak English, which whatever. I mean, I know he wasn't too much of a thing in 2015, 2016, but Rami Malek. Yeah. uh, You know, Egyptian actor. He was around. He was around. Could have had him there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is still happening. in varying degrees. I think studios are a little more conscious of this. A, a little, little bit. bit. Uh, it's, it's, it's starting. Like I, I will say this. I think, I think the massive studios are because you have something like Aladdin that just came out in theaters and they still got, they tried like it's closer. A little bit. Um, it's a lot of mixed race people in Aladdin. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I, I believe that might that might be part of the issue too, of like, there's not a lot of full blooded who speak good English. Mm-hmm. Right. Know? Like, like the guy, the guy playing Aladdin and the woman playing Jasmine are um, American and British respectively, but I, they do have, you know, Middle Eastern heritage. They're not, they're, they're not just white people, which is a slight step up, but still, you know, Aladdin got incredible <laughs> backlash. Partly white people. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, but like they, they, they were, preemptively damage controlling on this a little bit and i don't think you have to if you just make the industry more accessible to people of color that's a whole other d- discussion yeah. just <laughs> hire the right and, people well, we've had it before we'll have yeah. it again it's going to keep coming up because it needs to yeah right and here's i just want to remind everybody that despite whatever uh the mcu wants you to think they could have had a movie starring a person of color way earlier than they did and mm-hmm. Uh, they complained about oh we, we we before Wonder Woman came out we wanted to have the first female led superhero movie. Uh, you'd been making movies for six to eight years at that point. Yep. You could you could have done it. Could have had one any Could have had him. Yeah. Wait, what what character would MCU have started with that was a character of color? 
Black Widow. Oh, of color? I don't of know. Color? Female, they could have had a Black Widow movie. Oh, I'm sorry. You, 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 were, you were talking... Okay, I but get also it. they they had they introduced Falcon, yeah, fairly early on. There's plenty of characters yep. of color. Did, you right. could have brought in Black Panther. Earlier. Anthony Mackie is charismatic as hell. I would oh, watch yeah. a movie with him. Yeah, yeah. No the the short the short stick that um ScarJo put Anthony, drew put Anthony Mackie in this movie <laughs> as like Horace, and I'm way more into it. Yeah, <laughs> let's knock out a couple other <laughs> discussion topics we have before we wrap up. And completely forget every aspect of this movie by next week. <laughs> I can only hope. <laughs> the mu- the music is just as aggressive an offender as the visuals. I, I put this in. The, oh, when the- it started up, it was bad. <laughs> oh, it is bad. It is like if you didn't want to pay wow. for music. It's like if you went to a royalty-free website and just typed in world music. And this is just kind of what you got back. It's this weird hodgepodge of, of you know, Western, you know, Western box office gusto and kind of Middle Eastern influence. Yeah, it's it. it I admit it's very much like here's the you know Middle Eastern. It does so much of that. They gotta throw that in there. I'm just like, oh, Marco, you can do do better. The score was Marco Beltrami, who I have great affection for because he did Snowpiercer. Okay. Um, and, but I mean, he d- he does a lot of work, so this is not one of his better efforts. This was just reaching for the easy tropes and taking them. And there's a lot of tropes, not just in the mu- in the music, but in everything, every beat. Of this movie, musical or not, happens to be highly predictable, as David put in our doc. And oh my god, I, everything from yeah. Beck's girlfriend's gonna die the second he starts taking her away to oh my goodness, they're, they're all over the place and they're every, not fun every, because they're so predictable. Every story beat in this movie is just so predictable. It's just like when she, uh, when Elodie Young, Electra gives up the bracelet. For her in the afterlife, like that, we see that coming from a mile away. Uh, the, you know, the power was inside of you all along, <laughs> coming from a mile. Like, it's just click your heels three times, and you've always had the power to go home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the way to the to the story arc of Horus, which again, I, I wish was a better arc that had gone in a better movie over the course of several movies to actually have that journey as grandfather wants him to go on the arc of him being the, Oh, I'm a good God. I'm a bad God. I lied to you. I'm a bad guy. I'm a good God. Like that's not a fun arc. I've seen that a million times before. Well, yeah, David pointed out it's like a bad Thor knockoff. It was like, I was like, we're watching a shitty Thor. The arrogant, you know, the arrogant young God about to be crowned as the successor, but doesn't really care about the people and isn't humble enough is suddenly humbled and has to go on this journey where he learns to, you know, really care about people. And then he actually deserves to have the crown back, you know, kind of thing. Right. Sure. He learns from he learns from rubbing elbows with humans about what it means to be human. Oh my god, the line with, with Thor or Thoth or Thobi, whatever his name is. Um <laughs> <Good Lord. laughs> where 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 he's try he's oh my god, the riddle scene. Chadwick we, Bozeman. Yes, we have not talked <laughs> about the riddle scene where this. Yeah, big, where like, I had the golem- answer to the riddle instantly and somehow they <laughs> god, struggled over it but a god can't get it because gods don't think like humans right and then there's the whole like if i didn't think like a I mean, he has a snappy comment back that is god awful but, but the answers he gave didn't make any sense <laughs> purity was one of them uh yeah, order was another one fit. yeah yeah it didn't fit the riddle well it's <laughs> But we're 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 missing the elephant in the room, which is a golem that, upon being defeated, turns around Sphinx, and goes, yeah. "Oh bother!" He says, "Oh, bother!" <laughs> I thought he said, "Why do I bother?" No, he says, "Oh bother!" 
Like I had the subtitles on. I had the subtitles on for this movie, and he says, "Oh bother!" He Winnie the Poohs his way out of that scene, (laughs) and I completely lost it. I completely. I had to pause the movie because it's Winnie the Pooh in the riddle of the Sphinx. Right, it's so just par for the course with how little they cared when writing this dialogue. Oh. And and I love and it reminded me of a movie that I know you guys love and and I love. We haven't talked about it a lot on this show. We talked about it once or twice on our old show, Labyrinth. And uh Labyrinth has the great like riddle scene where where the the riddly or riddler gets despondent when they can't, you know, trick the person. I'm talking about the knockers. Right. Nicole's looking oh, at me okay. all confused. Yeah, look, the uh, the it's like I love these types of scenes, and it did it so badly. Yeah. One other well, discussion. Like, oh, go ahead, David. It's like, well, this thing's gonna kill you if you answer it wrong, but like, it isn't trying that hard to kill you, really, and you can answer multiple times. Like, as long as you can outrun this thing, you'd have been fine. Yeah. Since when do you get more than one guess? And since right. when is the Sphinx riddle? different every time you know the riddle of the sphinx is is famous right it's and it's always the same one it's never different yeah sure (sighs) (laughs) so is there anything fun for the audience we'll close with that question is this is there anything fun here fun to find anubis is fun anubis the afterlife is i like anubis anubis is intriguing the, yeah. the the creepy the creepy zombie gods that make you weigh your sacrifice when you get let into heaven or hell. Oh, that's right. He had no nose. I guess that is kind of zombie. Those those things are kind of cool. Like like there there's cool stuff in the in the afterlife or or the underworld prelude to the afterlife that I would love to see more of. And that was so harsh, though. The old lady puts like what I is know. it like one gold coin or something on the scale and. She gets zapped. What happens to her? Yeah. That's Is there question. a hell? That's a great question. Just, yeah. Poor people go to hell in this movie. Or does she just sort of get disintegrated and her, her soul dissipates? I'm pretty sure. <sighs> it, I'm pretty sure it's like an up or down negotiation. Because- it's a real upstairs downstairs situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally a Downton Abbey situation. Yeah. <laughs> I I think uh, I thought they mentioned that, but maybe not. I thought the, like I mentioned earlier, the snakes were neat. Yeah, the CGI for the snakes was cool. The riders was not cool. The snakes yeah. were cool. Yeah, maybe I have to go back and rewatch it. But they reminded me quite a bit of Don't. the basilisk from Chamber of Secrets. Does that did that hold up? Or <laughs> is David saying no? no? I don't no. think so. Okay. All right. Maybe that. Maybe it's slightly better than Chamber of Secrets. What about you, Nicole? Is there anything fun for you? No. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't... I, I didn't hate it. It was pretty enough that I didn't... I guess Gerard Butler's performance was, was, was fun enough for me to stay... Vaguely engaged. He was clearly enjoying being on set. He was having a good time. I was just like, all right, you know, I'm I'm with I'm with you, Jerry. Let's go. Now, yeah. now Nicole, the numbers <laughs> the numbers do say that you and I should love this movie because IMDB and Just Watch both recommend Jupiter Ascending in Warcraft if you like this movie. <laughs> yeah, you, well, you I did not enjoy Warcraft. But you love Jupiter Ascending. I do love Jupiter Ascending, but that's, you know, that's like 85% Channing Tatum. Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. And you said yourself in our Slack that you're just maybe not a Jamie Lannister kind of person. No, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, he's a handsome guy. I will, I will say, but I, you can acknowledge that someone is handsome and yet not be attracted to them. You can say that like a woman is objectively pretty, but not be attracted to her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Nicole Kidman's pretty, but I've never had a thing for her (laughs) kind of thing. Well, it might also be throwing some people with the whole, like, I can't separate him and his face from incest, which I feel like might be a problem (laughs) for him down the road. 
I don't know. We're, we'll we'll check back in. Hopefully, he'll be able to change that. Yeah, we'll check you know, back it's... in with the kid that played Joffrey and see how that's going for him in like twenty years. Oh God, poor guy. Yeah, he's having the worst he's, time. He's done with that. <laughs> he d- he did it too well. Yeah, <laughs> too well. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us. Uh, God, I don't know why do bad things happen to good people. Okay. Um, <laughs> Gods of Egypt. decided to have this theme. That's why. You guys voted on it. We watched it. We we didn't particularly enjoy it. But next week, we are very much looking forward to watching Nicole's new to two pick, which is eighth grade. Again, be sure to check that out. Hopefully, significantly better than this. By all accounts, I've heard it is. Uh, It's not a high bar. So we're (laughs) going to cross it next week. Let's go around the table and see where everyone can be found online. Nicole, where are you at? You can find me on Letterboxd on Nicole underscore Davis. I recently updated everything. So, hey, let's go. <laughs> and I take care of our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash podcast. I do look at that every day. If you have questions, if you have suggestions, if there's anything you want to critique us on, that's a good place to go. I will look at it. We can talk about it. We'll say your name on the podcast. Hey, you can be famous to our hundreds of listeners yeah you you're up from saying dozens which is true yes yeah. please and <laughs> That's uh true. what a treat yes absolutely and uh certainly email us hi at mgrpodcast.com as well but david where can people find you online people can find me around the internet under the username davluz that is d-a-v-l-u-z you can also uh so find me on twitter and instagram there you can also find me on the Brokebot mountain podcast yes absolutely check that out everybody you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. That'll do it for myself, David Nicole. We will be back next week with eighth grade. Mm-hmm.